Well, welcome to this intimate living room setting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Welcome to our second ever Thanks, Salt Company late night on overseas missions. Whoa, second one ever? Yeah. Wow. The first oh, one was okay. on mental health. So. Can we ask you a question before you ask us questions? Yes, yes, yes. Is yes. this all natural or are you on drugs? Oh, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not wearing oh, makeup. You're, oh, you're, not. <laughs> you're beautiful. I just mean the excitement. What no. Um, this is real. Yeah, no drugs. Allergy meds, though. Oh, okay. I will say that. Ooh, That's important okay. these days. We'll do it. <laughs> you should see me on allergy meds. Oh, it's bad. Um, Popping you up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I did have a chai latte thing, so that has caffeine in it, but, you know. I love it. I love the energy. Keep bringing it. Thanks. I just wanted to. <laughs> you know. I, I know. Oh, hi, guys. <laughs> wow. I just feel like it's such a, ooh. Anyway. <laughs> Hi. It's okay. Late, late night. <laughs> Overseas. Missions. What about these guys? Are you excited about them yeah! too? Okay. Hi okay. Guys! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like pointing specifically right over here. And there's the back. Back there. <laughs> Nate. Yeah, Nate. Um. <laughs> anyway, welcome to late night on Overseas missions. I don't want to keep you all here too late. Um. Thanks for being here. Thanks for desiring to know more about Overseas missions. You're not going to regret it. These people are going to be great. These people didn't even know that they were going to be up here, but they're here. I got pulled over literally two minutes ago. Oh. I said, hey, get up on stage. I'm like, all right, Whatever. Don't downplay it. He knew. Okay. So let's just get 100% started. 100% true. Let's just get started. What are you, who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? <laughs> what, do you have a family? What's going on? Why are you on the stage? Jess, That's pretty go. much the questions. Hi, guys. Hi. I'm Jessica. I also go by Shishi, so if we're friends, you can call me that. Um, I have a husband and a daughter who is four, and we lived in China for a good long while, and I work for Campus to Campus. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, my name's Ben. Uh, I don't know if you can tell my drawl. I'm from Arkansas. Uh, went to school in, in yeah, Woo Pig. There's some of that. Yeah, I, I wow, have been, that was I, strong. Okay. That's, yeah, my, my father's actually devastated that I didn't go to the University of Arkansas. I actually went to Texas A&M and then was there working for a college ministry for a couple of years. Then I moved to China. I was on John's team in China for a couple of years and then was also displaced by COVID when that hit and brought us back here. And so then he told me I had to move to Iowa, of all places, which worked out because I met my wife in Iowa, which hey. is, that's about as good a come up as you can get. I mean, literally, you're like, I don't want to go to Iowa. I'm not going to find a wife. And, man, <laughs> gosh. No, that's not exactly what he said. <laughs> but, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's great. Ben, yeah. and where are you moving? And I'm moving to India. So, Nate, my boy back here, uh, we're, moving to, we're moving to Mumbai. Oh, so. look, you said it. I wasn't, I was like, man, can I say the name? It, this I isn't, didn't... like, recorded or anything, is it? We're not well, earlier. Good. Yeah, there we're great. So, we try not to yeah. say the city if it's, like, going to get blasted on the Internet. But yeah. we're going to Mumbai. So, you guys should come. Yeah, and I'm John. I'm from Louisiana. Um, yeah, my wife and I moved to China in 2009, and God built out everything from just a few of us to, I think today there's about 55 of us that live in soon to be five different countries, and that number will get up to about 65 by September. Um, and then during the summers, it it blows up to, you know, a couple hundred because summer teams come from all over the Salt Network and from the and from the states from other churches to work with us. And so we're in Ames right now, which is not China. And, um, and we're just kind of, yeah, it's close. And we're trying to figure out what's next. So we'll be in Indonesia this summer and then, um, yeah, praying about what's next. So 
So sweet. So you all have lived overseas in the past, at least at some point. Yes, ma'am. How did you make that decision to go, whether it be with family or as a single person or, yeah, why overseas missions? Why not staying in the U.S.? Or, like, what was your heart posture behind that? Looked at me. We can just go. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I actually said that I would never do two things in my life. One was follow Jesus and one was move to China. So now I don't. Yeah, it's uh, been, yeah. yeah. Wow. So don't say those Ouch. things because God like really hears you. And he's like, Ooh, okay. So yeah, I was really against following Jesus and came to know him in college. Um, and then quickly after that, um, yeah, just read the Bible and saw that God really loved the whole world. Um, and I have a ton of food allergies, and so I was like, well, I can't go. I can't go. I can't eat there. I'll die. I went and saw a doctor, and they were like, yeah, you'll die. Don't go. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I have a medical note out of missions. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. That I had, hit hard somewhere. <laughs> peanut allergy out there. <laughs> Sorry. Slouching. Um, yeah, but free people can be missionaries, too. Yeah. You're, you're kind of human. That one, too, Come yeah. On. Yeah, we got every food allergy imaginable <laughs> covered between the two of us, so you got no excuse. Um, yeah, and just had some good friends say, like, hey, just try it. Try it for two weeks at that time. Salt Company had a pretty short trip, and I went, and I said, okay, I'll go. And I feel like God just, like, put the blinders on me, and soon after, met my husband, who was excited about China, got married as quick as we could, and moved to China, and... Yeah, was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me. So really glad that I'm not in charge of my life. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm I'm fortunate. I have just some people in my life, my specifically my dad being one of them, who just have a huge heart for the nations. And so I, I uniquely had a really cool example of um, just a, a parent who like was constantly trying to be overseas and going on trips. You know, he had a job in America but was still trying to even take trips and trying to share the gospel with people in unreached people groups. Um, and so that was just a really, really cool example that I got to see growing up, even before I was a believer. Um, but I, I specifically remember being in a seat like this at something like this and a missionary like this getting on stage and doing a similar thing where he taught through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, pointing out all these places in the Bible that talk about God's heart for the nations. And I was just blown away because I like grew up in church, but it's like, kind of just tuned out at different places. I don't know if just people weren't saying it or whatever, but for whatever reason, it wasn't until I was a sophomore in college that I, like, actually, it clicked for me, like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is actually God's, like, heartbeat. Like, this is what he longs for, is to have his name glorified among all peoples all over the world. And this is, like, the reason that, like, I exist, is, like, to bring him glory and in community bring him glory with people all over the world. And I was just like, well, man, if that's what the Bible's talking about, like, I need to, like, legitimately consider what my role is in that. And so... And from that point forward, I think I just, I started being drawn more and more to like moving overseas after college. And so uh, after college, I'm an example of someone who like legitimately, like I tried to go and God said, stop. He said, hey, I have something here for you. I basically, I, I felt very strongly called to work for a college ministry for a few years right out of college. And so wanted to move to India then, but then I just, I felt very strongly called by God say, hey, no, there's something unique that I want you to do here. There's a unique role that you can play for this college ministry here. Um, and so he called me to stay for now. And so then I did three years there and then I went. And so that's when I moved to China. I came with, joined John's team. And so, um, yeah, when as a single person, I was like, I know that's a concern a lot of people have. They I don't want to go overseas, you know, single. 
I went, it was great. So married now, excited to go married for the first time, but going single was great. So. I, um, I have a rebellious spirit, and I don't like doing what other people do. And so I became a Christian, and I realized that the easy thing was to stay. And so probably God used that, and probably wasn't great motivation at first, just to start going. And once I went, it was done. You just can't unsee the things you see. And you can't, like, you know, take back those first moments of being in a room with someone who's never heard about Jesus. And then they start to hear, and their eyes just pop. And they're like, you're kidding me. You're lying. And I'm like, I'm not. And, and then you just it, it intoxicates you in a different way. And so I just started saying, God, like, and I'm going. And, and, and it was like all these tests along the way, like, got asked to pastor a church or had this come up or this problem or this thing. But all of those I felt like were just tests, you know, because he had said go. Um, and so, yeah, it was, for me, the bigger thing was just figuring out where and started kind of, I don't know if that leads into another question, but like I, I just said, you know what, I'm just going to go until you make it clear where to stop. So I went to, went to Belarus and Poland um, and Russia one summer, went to Nicaragua, went to Mexico a bunch of times, um, and then went to China. And everything just kind of lined up. Um, opportunity was there, huge country, obviously, with all these people just asking for more info about Jesus and more opportunity. And then there were people who I knew that were also going, and they were like, well, let's go together. And my gifting was really well used there because there were students everywhere. And I love being on campuses, and I love sports, and I love the connection pieces. So it was just, it was kind of like a, a no-brainer. So, yeah. That's so sweet. Also, I just realized I never said this. Is the phone number up there if you want to text in questions? <laughs> I get them on my computer. I can't see who sent them. Anonymous. Anyway, <laughs> um, kind of touched on this, each of you, but, and John, you mentioned this in when you were teaching, um, we should plan to go until we are held back. What does that look like for us? What is the heart posture of the believer to plan to go? What does it look like to take steps of planning to go? How do we prepare like what is it what does planning entail for the christian we really think that that's a biblical stance because the thrust of scripture and the heart of christ especially at the end of his time on earth was all toward one thing go 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 make disciples go make disciples go and preach the name of jesus to the ends of the earth and we know that whatever we lose in that equation like whatever we give up comforts and birthday parties and weddings and american living the gain is being obedient and being in the presence of Jesus as he brings more people for eternity into his glory. Um, and so I, I think that you have to do a whole lot of spiritual gymnastics to kind of make the movement of God to be stay until he makes you go. When you see the heart of God through scripture as we try to do tonight, it seems as if because eternity is a lot more important than just a few years of what you might lose here that we should plan to go and fight for people for eternity until God tells us to stay. So what I would say in that place is then what the, the things I said, start praying for the nations, start praying for your heart and start looking for the opportunities to be obedient and faithful where you are because a lot of people don't really share the gospel where they are and don't really take serious their faith where they are or their holiness where they are, but they have this kind of mindset that when they get on the plane and fly to Indonesia or India, then all of a sudden they're going to turn it on and become like Superman missionary. That's not how it works. Like 
you are who you are wherever you are. And when you get there, the, the, the rhythms, the unhealth and the health will come out in even more extreme ways because cross-cultural suffering is that. So the biggest thing is plan to go, but while you're planning to go, be faithful where you are. And then there's a lot of other things, but I'll let these guys, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, well, yeah, I mean, just adding on to that a little bit, I, I think that you guys are super fortunate to be in a community that is focused on going. And so you guys have opportunities that are right in front of you. So it's like, what does it look like for me to plan to go until God calls me to stay? You're a sophomore going to summer trip, you know? It's like, that's just the baby step that's right in front of you. You know what I mean? So the, this church is amazing, and they're creating pathways to give you opportunities to, to go on, you know, these bite-sized trips, right? And so I think, you know, go to Thailand for the summer and then see what God does in your heart over the summer when you're in Thailand. And then just keep, there's, you know, this is an awesome church that's going to create a pathway for you to get over there. So I think I would, I would encourage you to take the baby step before you start freaking out about, am I going to move overseas forever? It's like, hey, just go for a summer. Start with that. So That's awesome. Um, I do want to spend quite a bit of time. We have questions coming in. So I want to ask them because you guys have questions. So I want to answer your questions. Yeah. Um, one... Where do I get my hair cut? Oh, that's great. Okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, where do you get your hair cut? Is there a place? Um, one of the questions that came in says, how do I honor my parents with conversations about overseas when they don't support my desire to go or my faith? I'm going to let Jess handle this because this is personal. Uh huh. Yeah, this has been a big one for my family. Um, even my husband's family. So my husband is like has really strong believers that go to Cornerstone down in Ames. And it's still been hard for them um, to watch us go, especially once you have a little baby who is very cute. They don't really like it when you keep her in Asia for too long. Uh, but my parents, so my dad is not a believer and my mom is a pretty new believer. And yeah, it's been hard for them. Um, they don't understand why I want to go even if I explain it, right, if they don't have that heart of Christ, if they don't have the Holy Spirit, they can't understand that. And so I think the piece of advice I would give is just to be patient and to be really kind and try to understand because I think it can, we can be so excited about something and then just be like, well, you have to get on board because I'm excited. And so I think just having a lot of grace on them to say like, okay, what are the concerns that you have? Like ask them questions about why they're scared or fearful or whatever might be happening. Um, so I think just try to minister to them as best you can and then say like, I am an adult and I'm still gonna make this decision. Like you don't get to stop me from going, but I wanna the best I can like prepare you. So even like, let's say you decide to go, like take them out to a restaurant that serves the kind of food of the country you're going to. Like those little things are like, show them a documentary that they can watch. We've watched so many little videos of China with my parents and they're just like, oh, like, that's so fun. That's where you live. And so I think things yeah. like that. People fear what they don't know. Yeah. And so they can make up so many stories about what, oh, people are getting eaten alive over there. And like, no, that stopped about 500 years ago. Yeah. You know, like, so, so the good news is the Bible tells you to honor your parents, not obey your parents. You're like, I'm pretty sure it says obey. Primarily the word is honor, especially for adult children. So if you're still living under your parents because of financial, emotional, physical address, then it is obey. But when you are not living under your parents' authority because of financial stuff and because you're an adult now, the command is to honor. And to honor means to respect, to understand, to communicate and dialogue, but it does not mean to obey. 
because you have to obey God first, not them when you're an adult. And so, yeah, so you want to help them see what God's called you to do, help them understand why it's worthy. But if they don't trust Christ, uh, the most difficult conversations are with Christian parents. Uh, Non-Christian parents often have very practical concerns. Christian parents try to use the stupid trump card. I don't have a piece about you going. You're like, how do I argue with that pile of stuff? You know, because like peace, that's so like, yeah, I mean, what do you do? You're like, well, I have a piece, mom and dad, about being obedient to the scripture. And I'm going with a church who knows me and loves me. And I'm going with an organization that will support and and help me. And we are not going willy-nilly and just doing anything we want to do. We are going with plans. And even then, it may not be safe. But the best thing I can do is be obedient to Jesus. So. That's so good. Oh, man. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> I feel like that, I don't know, resonated with some people. Anyway, <laughs> um, another question was, um, instead of applying to go overseas this summer, I applied and got an internship because it's important for my major and timeline to have experience. Is it wrong for me to not go overseas to pursue these other ambitions? Um, yeah, I can't, I'm just trying to be nice. Yeah. I, I think I've been in campus ministry, even in America, before I went to, to you know, China. And it's like, I feel like the internship thing just gets way overplayed, if I'm just being honest. It's just like all this weight gets put on this internship, and it's like, Dude, you're running coffee for, like, some guy that, it's like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the times, like, the internship experience isn't actually as awesome as everybody says it's going to be. Maybe I'm not being as nice as I should be. Um, Sometimes internships are great. I think it's case by case. I think there are situations where getting an internship is absolutely a valid, like, legitimate option for, like, like taking a step towards a career that, like, God's placed in your heart. Like, I think it can be a very legitimate option. I think a lot of the times it feels like this obligation that's not actually an obligation. Like there's all this weight and this pressure to do it. And it's like this false pressure that isn't actually as big a deal as people make it out to be. And so if there's like a requirement for your major to get an internship, I've seen people like figure out how to like turn an overseas trip into an internship. So there's ways of finessing it and stuff like that. So if this is like, hey, I'm pursuing this passion that God's put on my heart, and this is like a calling that I feel to do this internship, I'm like, God bless you, do it. We need laborers in the workplace. Like, come on. Yeah, I think that's the thing. We're not trying. We shouldn't divide, like, the sacred and the secular and being like, if you take a job outside of college, out of college that's not full-time missions, that you're, you can still do the work of God, especially overseas in these global cities where there's incredible needs for people to go into job sectors and be the light and witness to those people. So you might need an internship to do that. But I think if you're honest and you kind of look at your, your plan, I would say do the internship, but slow down on jumping into a career or anything until you've at least had the summer team experience. Because those two months, you won't be 40 one day and look back and say, damn, I can't believe I spent two months in Thailand. Like that won't be the thing that ruins your life. That'll be the it makes thing you more you, hireable. Everybody does internships, you know, but you can come back to an employer and say, oh, I spent two months in Thailand doing this and that and learn all these, you know, it's like that makes you like a way more interesting, like developed person. So, so I would get counsel from others about it. Like if you're like, man, I'm really kind of back against the wall. I need to do this in this career. I think it's going to be a pathway for me to make much of Christ overseas. Then look at it that way. If it's really just the next stepping stone for you to get a lot, make money, but it hasn't really been married in prayer, and saturated with community speaking into it, maybe pause um, on that. Because jobs come and go, but callings are eternal. 
So you can do a lot of different jobs, but you've been called to give God your life as a beautiful sacrifice. And there will be a lot of ways that'll look. So wow. what else we got? Wow, wow, wow. I just want to add to that. I am a recent grad and I got a job before this job. And my whole interview, my whole second interview, I had an internship and I also went overseas. And the whole time we talked about my overseas time. Like that's what they were impressed and wanted to know more about. They were like, wow, you've worked with people cross-culturally. You learned, like, you were learning another language while you were there? Well, like, oh my goodness. And they wanted to know all about that. And they literally did not ask me one question about my internship. <laughs> it was pointless. Um, anyway, so I just wanted to add that personal experience, recent grad. I get it. Um, this is a spicier question. <laughs> um, that came in. It says... Can you talk about, um, yeah, the balance of sharing the gospel overseas with white saviorism and volunteerism? I've never heard of that phrase, volunteerism. But just white saviorism. It's spelled like tourism, right? Volunteerism. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah, we've, I, I was asked to give like a talk on that, at, I think somewhere, I forget where it was. But anyway, that was one of the ideas, one of the questions that came up. Um, and so... I think here's the deal. If you look at church history, there have been a lot of mission um, advancements that were done from a place of uh, patriarchal kind of arrogance and, hey, we're showing up and we're going to make things right for you. Follow us. And so that is something that the church and missions have had to repent of for many, many years, where it was almost this imperial um, advancement alongside warships. So there was economic progress and there was Christian progress, and they were kind of side by side, and often they got muddied. Um, our heart is to be obedient believers, and Jesus says go, but he doesn't say go as arrogant buts. He says go as, as humble worshipers. See, I'm moderating my, my language. <laughs> he says go as humble worshipers, and we go as a community of people, and when we go into places, our first thing to do is to learn, learn language and culture, ask a lot of questions. We show up, and we, and we don't believe we brought God to them. We believe God's been working there long before we got there, and we believe there's beautiful things in their culture, things that can be redeemed, things that can be transformed, things that can be honored right as they are, and we want to find out what that is and talk about that. And so kind of our play, our philosophy of engagement is to go to the culture and connect with them and see how God is already blessing them. And then say, look what God's doing. And by the way, he's been working in our lives too. And, and this is all grace. And then, but challenge, challenge how any of those ma amazing things like family and education and hard work without God at the center of them become idolatry. And talk about how they destroy your hearts and how, how God is working in our own lives to deal with our own idolatry. And then invite them to see how Jesus is the completion of all of our stories and how we want to worship with them. And we don't plant American salt churches in Taiwan or Thailand or, or anywhere. We, by the grace of God, plant local indigenous churches that are led by local leaders and elders. So, so can someone else still say it's white, you know, triumphalism and, and, and what other volunteerism? There are people that do those trips. You will not do one of those trips with us. I think one thing I wanted to add is maybe just even like what our church service looked like, I feel like is 
like we gathered believers and then they got to kind of say like okay this is what we think church ought to look like and so we would get there and we would have like a prayer time ahead of church service then they would teach us the songs each week so we would do like this practicing time of worship songs then we would have like an extended time of silence and solitude and then enter into worship we'd have our message which is usually like an hour and a half long and then afterward we would go have a meal together and so the whole thing was probably like three three and a half hours every week and that's what they decided like that their church looked like without our influence and so it was all in mandarin um yeah and i think that that has been something that's been like really encouraging to me that we were never at the center of the church but we just got to be there with them so that's that's beautiful Be be thoughtful because the fact that we come from America always has a story. So we, I spent last summer in Kenya, um, and it's the first time I've spent any time in Africa, and I was very conscious of what had happened in Africa through um, different things over mission, uh, over the mission history. And even though there was a lot of invitation from Kenyans to, hey, teach us, do this, do this, man, I tried, and I think it was beautiful. We said please let us just see what you guys are already doing because many of them were already believers and we would just join their worship services and they would teach us how to dance, which was hard, um, but awesome. And they taught us how to read the Bible in a way that was very different. And, and, and for me, our time there was less about, hey, let me fix you guys. And most of it was about encouraging them to believe that black Africans can be, the huge, can be a huge part of God finishing the Great Commission. Because forever it's been a Euro-American white thing. And so I just wanted to come and say, you know what? The Great Commission is not for rich people from America. It is for all nations and all peoples. And it was beautiful. So. Wow, that's really sweet. Um, just want to end with one more question that I am personally excited about. I may or may not have written it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys I texted it in um anyway yes you can come that's fine anyway summer to Indonesia (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) that's what I asked am I allowed um no my question is can and I don't know if you all whatever I don't care how many people share can you share a story of salvation that you remember from your time overseas that you remember thinking, like, wow, God, you, like, are much greater than my understanding of you. You really do transcend culture, and you are really the God of all nations. Okay, that's, like, a really high bar to hit, but I have a cool one. <laughs> um and it also doesn't really answer your question because it's more about discipleship, but um, there's this girl, Kitty, who goes to our church, um, and her name is the perfect explanation of her personality. <laughs> like, you walk in her room, and she's like, oh, my gosh, Rachel! <laughs> I feel like that same energy that she has. Um, <laughs> and she, like, became a believer, got baptized, came to our church, and didn't hit any of the marks that people would say, like, you should be a leader. Like, she was not coming to church. Um, 
she was just like kind of uninterested. She would come late, leave early. And so it's like, okay, well, when we started thinking about leadership development, we had a uh, training program um, for the students and we're like, ah, did we even like invite her, right? Like, we don't know and we're like, okay, well, we only have 15 people in this church, so we'll just invite her. <laughs> and I think this moment was just so humbling for us because she like comes into this room, kind of hears this spiel like, hey, we want to teach the Bible to you guys over the course of a year, um, teach you some theology. And she's just like crying. And we're like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> and she was like, I was about to leave this church and go to this other city in China because they had a seminary for me. And I've just like been praying that this opportunity would come up. And had never told anyone in the church that that was something on her heart. And so it was just like really special for us that like God was moving in her heart and the leadership of the church. And now she's just like the most faithful member of our church and is so like on fire. Like, yeah, just like wants to share her faith with everyone. And I like got to have so many conversations with her in that uh, cohort where she would just like come and she's like, wait, what is predestination all about? <laughs> and just like getting to have those conversations was super fun. And so I think for us, it was just like, this humbling moment of like don't ever underestimate anyone and don't put these like markers of like well they have to be this kind of person because I think we just saw that God wants to use anybody yeah I mean so I didn't see anyone come to Christ the whole time that I was in China um, and I could tell a bunch of stories of people that I shared the gospel with. Um, you know, there's there's specifically a guy that's jumping out of my mind. It's a guy named Seuss that, um, yeah, one of the one of the summer teamers from the University of Iowa came and met him, and he, um, right before they had met, this guy's best friend was in a graduate school program at another university in China and didn't make grades for that semester and jumped off the top of a six-story building and killed himself. Um, which is shockingly common um, in China. And so this guy was just wrestling with a lot, wrestling about his life and, and, just, and just rethinking everything. And this guy, Casey, from the University of Iowa, meets him, starts sharing the gospel with him, introduces him to me. They go home. You know, I spend the next several months sharing the gospel with him. Um, and, yeah, he, he thought a lot about it, had a lot of awesome questions, this really deep-thinking guy, and he's just pondering it and all these, you know, and then COVID hit, and I had to go. And so, um, you know, I still pray for Seuss. I'm still just begging that God bring somebody else into his life that he gets to hear the gospel. But I, I think one of the things that discourages people from going overseas at times is that there's just a lot of places that you're going to see a lot of fruit and have really cool stories. Um, and I think a lot of the hardest places the places that need the gospel are some of the hardest places to go and some of the hardest soil a lot of the times. And so I think it's, it's we need people that are willing to go and to live for years in a place and share the gospel and maybe never see anything happen. Um, and so, again, I, I mean, I'm sure that John's got, I'd love to finish with a super encouraging story of like, this person came to faith. But I do think it's an important perspective just in thinking of going overseas that it's like, hey, we're called to be faithful and we need to be responsible and do the best that we can to share the gospel um, and so I don't think we can just like say, oh, well, no one's going to Christ, but I'm being faithful. It's like, well, we need to reevaluate what we're doing and try to be as effective as we can. But at the end of the day, if God doesn't move, then, 
you know, no, the, he is the one that's changing hearts, not us. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think your question is from a pure place. I think you're waiting for this like story, and I, I mean, I have stories like that, but, but I remember that every single time a person confessed Jesus to be Lord and was baptized and started to walk with Christ, whether it was in China or here or another country, it was sheer act of God, a miracle to reach in and pull someone out of darkness and rebellion and death and judgment and to make them alive. And so every one of those stories, it's a weekend, and J.D. and Alan and Lucas and Carrot and Camel and Dragon and Little Dragon they pick their own names in China, so that's yeah. that's what you end up with so, some fun. So when you're in <laughs> English class and CJ and AJ and Jane and Jane and Doris, um, Brian and Alan, hundreds of students over a decade that trusted Christ, and every single time it was the same, same spirit, same gospel, and yeah, there's people that never did. And it's, it saddens your heart, and you just keep praying and asking the Lord to change people. So I, I want to I be a person that remembers the losses, too, but I want to rejoice in the fact that when is God done? Like, like, even if I don't see the finished product of what's happening in someone's life, like, I trust him. So, yeah, so it's a great question. But like the things that God's doing here are just as extraordinary. It doesn't make it doesn't make it more God if it's in another culture. Like I think that sometimes we think that maybe as Americans we're closer. We're just as far away from mm -hmm. salvation as someone in India or China, and we need the same gospel. Yeah, so that should pre create some desperation for us as we pray for our neighbors and our roommates and our family and our friends, and as we pray for the nations. And that should also create a lot of hope and confidence because God is in the business of keeping his promise. Yeah, as a sweet reminder, even as you read the psalm, it's like, man, this is like an answered prayer. Like, we are the nations. <laughs> like, God came to us from far away. And so, yeah, that's good. That's so good. Man, well, thanks for this. Um, thanks, guys, for staying. Yeah, yeah come on. thanks for staying. Thanks for being here. Thanks for, yeah, everything. Thank you, guys. Can I repeat what these guys said earlier? The, the leaders are trusting God for at least two summer teams next summer. Um, I think that's kind of small. <laughs> I hope y'all send four or five teams. I hope y'all send, I mean, there, there's more than two there's in this room. There's team one that row. Four. Yeah, yeah. There's team two. Eight. <laughs> you get team three right um, there. Twelve. Yeah. yeah. Sixteen. I pray that some of you are so uneasy tonight because you're not going to be able to sleep until you continue to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. So next summer is not the, the big thing. Honestly, the big thing is telling someone else tonight what God's doing in your heart. Like, let someone else in because that's how the enemy doesn't steal the fruit of God. Tell someone else that the Spirit is speaking to you and, and say, hold me to this and then start praying it tomorrow. All right. That's good. I'm going to pray, and then we can head out.
God, um, yeah, thank you that you are worthy of all of this, that you are worthy of our words, our words of praise, um, that you're worthy of our singing, our dancing. You're glorious, and you're worthy of all of our lives. We want to surrender everything to you, God, once again tonight, over and over, every day. We want our lives to be a living sacrifice to you. And so, yeah, would we be people who pray, and would we be people who plan to go? Um, we love you, and we ask that you would move in this room, out of this room, and all over the world for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>